two youngest people that you ever did see. Younger than springtime, I'm a newborn baby. And the show is gonna surely make you shout. Yes, ma'am. We're talking about five questions with Jason Jam. Yeah, that's it. Uh-huh. Hello, everyone. This is Five Questions with James and Jam. I'm John Andrew Morrison, known as Jam. And that magnificent, delicious human you're seeing is... Sybil Shepard. <laughs> Otherwise known as... James Jackson Jr. Hello, everybody. And look who is on the screen with us today. The magnificent, the glorious, the talented, the scintillating, the delicious... Oh, Mr. Yes. Gavin Creel. Wild applause, wild applause, yes. wild applause. We stand, we stand. Uh. <laughs> How are you doing? How are you doing? Where are you? How are you? I'm blissed out. I'm, I'm blissed out to be with the two uh. of you. I'm just, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually in a good place. 2023 has started off and I'm the only sad thing. Well, one of the saddest things that has happened in 2023 is your show coming to oh. a close and and i am i we were talking before we started i'm forever grateful i just want to say it publicly to anybody who's watching and listening i'm so grateful for the two of your and all of your cast incredible work and that beautiful show it's Thank it's you. i can see it right over your shoulder james there it is right there. <laughs> i got some things i got some things framed as it should be as it should be i have to make space on wall my entire dressing room is literally right behind this couch yep i oh have to God. do something about that I'll leave it up for a long time because I just want to stay in the the glow of what I saw you all at the Woolly Mammoth yes. when I was I was driving through to go to the Hermitage Artist Retreat to do oh, some writing, okay. and I stopped in DC to see a friend, and there you were, and I was like, <laughs> and I, I, there were two seats left in the front row, and I had I just to that I I was I was saying earlier that I I used to listen to your cast recording from playwrights I think is where yes. the, the first mm -hmm. one and yeah. you've since made a second another cast recording right yeah 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 the, the Broadway it. cast yeah, yeah Broadway cast recording yeah. I got to listen to that but I listened to that during the pandemic and it was healing to me and it's it's so refreshing to know that musical theater can still be healing to this jaded old queen isn't that <laughs> such a weird thing yes we've yeah. always gone back to like to that rock as a, a thing and so why would it stop of course it can still be soothing and we forget that we're the first ones to forget that like oh this means something to people yeah, yeah. so we we're lucky you for that yeah thank yeah. you it was very nice we got you know because of the show we got invited to see a show yesterday and yes. um and and the two people were so excited that we were there they were like oh my god you came and we're like it's we're like we've well, invited James us. and i and then and then like people in the audience like came up and they're like oh my gosh like you don't know what it and and so it was really nice to kind of um are you here to hear it and receive it you know are you able to take it in is that you know i just spoke to my therapist about an hour ago about <laughs> how i have uh, so after the show closed a week and two days ago now and uh, i went immediately to the beach i we went to an island off of an island and i sat in the sand and the sun and the waves and the stuff and i felt it leaving my system so i have made space in my body is what i've learned to receive things like that mm. um and my therapist is trying to tell me you 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 were that person all along um but if we did that, then the Wizard of Oz would have been over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I was just so I'm, I'm learning to receive it, but it is, I said to Jam yesterday at, at dinner before the show that what we did is super, super special and it means so much to people. Yeah. So even the fact, the sadness that it is over, it is okay to be sad, yeah. but it is so special to hear how what our little thing did that we worked on for all these years means to so many people. It's so very special to hear that. I mean, I, I, I was all, I, yeah, I could, I, I could take it in even during the show because there, there are like a couple moments that I remember specifically. Um, I, I'll re remember when we left Playwrights one night and there was this beautiful, I mean, he must have been a model. This beautiful white kid and he was slumped Ugh. like up against the, the, the side of the building. Of yeah. Just in sobbing, and I was like, "Are you okay?" And he was like, "You, you all just like, I don't know what you did, but you released something for me." Yeah, and um, and I'll never forget that. And and um, the, like maybe the week before we closed, this man came up to me um after the show again, just and he went thank, and he couldn't get the you. He just burst Ow. into tears. And so I ended up just like hugging him and he he was like, I I feel like you healed something today. Mm. I think what I've learned, if you make space for different types of stories, it seems to make space in other people. Absolutely. So Absolutely. And your story to relish this, in that. The story that you were all telling hasn't it's never been given. And I want it to go on forever. I I, I, I want know. it to run for 80 years. But the thing is, it will run, maybe not in that building, but mm -hmm. that recording, those recordings, your stories, you're also going to be 90 and people are going to be reacting this Talking way. about but, what um, we did. Exactly. And that's that's the beauty of what we all get to do in the theater. But yeah. what you did specifically with that story, with Michael's um, words and music and book, and I, 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 I'm, I'm that white queer. I'm not a model, but you know, I'm slumped. <laughs> I'm slumped. And, and I often have to tell you my, like sitting there feeling not exactly identifying with every single thing. Right. Mm. But feeling, still feeling weirdly. No, not weirdly seen. Like, yeah, I was like, this is for me too. And my friend yeah. who was with me, who was sitting next to me at one point, and he's not, a not a crier in the way that I know him to be. Mm. There was a moment in your play where I just felt his hand kind of trying to find mine. We don't, we've never done this. And he grabbed onto my hand and I looked over and he's like, <laughs> like, like he's trying to stay silent. And it was during maybe the most explicit moment, like that, mm -hmm. that, that, that walk. What is that? What, what's the song? Uh, the uh, Inwood Daddy. Walk, he, sort of it was that whole scene. That. It was the whole. Yeah. It was through the whole scene and the way that he. Why did I do that? What did yeah. he do? Me? What and did that do for me? Yeah. His and just just being able to hold space. He and mm -hmm. I both for a moment like that. That you never see that queer story put on stage. And no. and I just. I, I literally get this entire thing is going to be talking about how brilliant you are and how wonderful your show is. I've got five questions for you. <laughs> I just, I'll, I'll forever be grateful. I'm just so grateful. Thank you. For both Thank of your so brilliant, hilarious, touching work. It's so beautiful. Oh my it God. Really All right. So well, Catherine, you are the focus. 
You yes. are the reason for the season. <laughs> and so we're going to turn the tables and the spotlight yes. right back to you, you magnificent, okay. wonderful <laughs> creature. <laughs> um, all right. So I have the first question because, yes. um, uh, yeah, walk on through. Oh, my gosh. It oh, felt man. like the biggest privilege to be able to go to the signature and see that see that presentation of it that you did. Um, it's, it's magnificent. It's Thank you magnificent. So, much. Um, so if you can, can you um, tell us a little bit about Walk On Through? Um, and I guess my question is, did you know when you were walking through the Met, did you know you were writing a musical? Was was that the intention? Was that, or was it, you know, you went there to heal something, to to do something else, and then you're like, oh, it's yes. a musical. I'm it's writing a, a musical. It's a great question. Um, the the short pitch for pe most people don't know what it is. Um, yeah. I'm I'm writing a, I'm calling it like a theatrical concert, like a theatrical piece, uh, that is. I was originally asked in 2019 by uh, a friend of mine said, hey, they do this thing called the Met Live Arts Series at the Met, which is a performance art based thing. They have musicians, opera singers, composers, uh, pop people, a couple of musical theater people have been, including me. They give you a membership card to the Metropolitan Museum of Art and they say, have at it. And when you come up with an idea, tell us and we'll help you present it. That's basically the whole premise. Wow. It's it's see how the museum inspires you and bring the museum to your medium. And my medium is obviously storytelling and musical theater, right? But the truth was, y'all, I had never been to the Met before. And I was embarrassed <laughs> at 40 some years old. Here I am in New York City living there after 20 years. And like, and then I realized when they said, so what's your idea after about, I don't know, two and a half, three months of me just wandering around taking notes. Mm. I said to the women in charge, Lee Mortomer and Aaron Flannery, I said, I think the only truth I can tell is that I don't know what the hell I'm doing here. And and to answer your question, Jim, it's it was that I, while I was exploring this idea, it sort of bubbled out of me. I sort of let the songs tell me where the story was going. And it ended up being just about, and then and then um I got that in 2019. And then I had a really painful uh separation right before the pandemic, and then the pandemic happened, and I was sort of frozen in grief. Um mm -hmm. And that's sort of what it and what it's turned into is weirdly it's written itself after the fact and said do you have the courage to tell people what you're feeling and what you're going through hmm. you know so it's 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 basically an exploration on art and love and life and loneliness and hmm. what that all means and and it's still forming we're still we did that presentation and i'm already rewriting some stuff but the hope is that we're going to find a theater to partner with to do like a limited run either in New York or out of town or something. And then I want to tour it around the world. I want to like, I want to tell this, play these songs and tell this story with my amazing band in Chicago and Melbourne and London and Berlin. And I, I want to be able to right. go around the world and do it. And then at one point, hopefully stop back on Broadway and do like a, a limited run. I mean, it was, it was really tremendous. And, and, you Thank know, you. you're talking about people don't talk about loneliness enough. And oh, it is such, especially it is... after what we just went through. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't that seem weird? I yeah. think it's the most, the bravest thing that anyone could do. First, it's to just talk about what you're feeling at all and just share that with someone. But we all just went through something that we had never gone through ever. 
Mm-hmm. Not that our parents had been through it, or our grandparents. It's something that was, I'm so tired of the word, the word unprecedented, but it was literally <laughs> unprecedented. Mm-hmm. And there's this thing about you're not supposed to talk about certain aspects of it. And the loneliness that I have friends that spent the entire thing in their apartments by themselves. Yeah. That yeah. are now terrified. I mean, none of us know how to go out and function in public anymore. I, I know. I used to be great at a dinner party. I suck now. Did, why? <laughs> why? Why? I think I don't have a my. I left my filter somewhere, <laughs> like on March twelfth, the day before the shutdown of things. Yeah. You, and you barely had a filter to begin with. It wasn't. It didn't. It, <laughs> it wasn't a great fitting filter, but I had one. Um, and I now I walk into spaces and I'm just I'm everything is falling out of my mouth. Um, um. And I wish that we could just spend a little time to acknowledge that. So when someone, I've, I've been so curious about the art and the creation that comes out of this period of wiping down groceries and yeah. feeling like, is this literally how it ends? Yeah. Is this, I had so many other visions of how things might wrap up. I thought there'd be a TV movie movie with Nancy McKee <laughs> playing me. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I think that we need to talk about those things more. And I yeah. think it's super brave to channel that into something Thank you. that is still in our wheelhouse in this but, world of musical theater, in this world of storytelling. I mean, yeah. pandemic aside, too, I, I feel like that human beings have those like dark nights of the soul. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, mm-hmm. it's something that we don't ever acknowledge that, oh, no, 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 that's part of our humanity is that we have these moments where we feel lonely or we feel this or we feel that, but there are ways for us to interact with it or deal with it or get to the other side of it. And like, it was such a beautiful example of like, you kind of dealing with your own humanity and your own heart, and your mm-hmm. own spirit and going, no, I can I can get through to the other side of this. And I just yeah. I I I could not stop talking about this show. Oh, that means the world to and me. I can't I, and also like, tit for tat, because I haven't stopped talking about your show <laughs> for like years. And 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 weirdly, what you said, like like the healing of something to be able to that's what you did. You stood on that stage and you called up all of your own personal stuff to serve that mm-hmm. material. And yeah. therefore I felt seen. And that's, yeah. there's a line in the, in it's the, a weird loop in and of itself. <laughs> it, it, it totally is. You, what I crave anymore in, on, in theater is that feeling of, of connection, but connection in the sense of, 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 are you, are you able to, share something that's maybe unshareable or a little dark or a little you know right. oof. it's isn't it why we all got into this in the first place in a way yeah yeah and the attention <laughs> we love the attention I mean, well, oh a, yeah i love the applause i'm yeah. not gonna lie me neither. Me neither. Well, that's, a, that, that's part of the next question too of like how did you find musical theater like why is that the thing why is, you know, I, I, we all found the freaks at some point. We were like, oh, my yep. people. My people. Like, so yeah. how, how, what's your origin story with That's this, why good, musical theater? Mine, mine, I was a church. I, I grew up Methodist and I was in mm. all the church choirs, bell choir, honey, bell mm. choir, carolier, <laughs> crusader choir, choral choir. Oh um, my goodness. That was me all growing up every Sunday and then going home. And I, this is kind of the musical theater that I write. If, 
church was musical theater introduction and and then school i was learning in fifth and sixth grade choir glee club and ensemble from nancy mm -hmm. glick jefferson elementary school on tuesdays and thursday mornings before school oh started God. meeting all these composers and playing songs and learning three-part harmony at nine and ten years old but oh, like from wow. church the the other side of it was i was a pop head i loved pop music i still do and i would come home from church on sundays to race home before i missed the the top 10 of the top 40. Hey! You know what I mean? Like Casey Kasem, yes. Ricky's, Shadow Stevens. Yeah. And like doing my Sunday chores as slowly as I could on the front porch, like sweeping really slowly so that I could hear, is it going to be Bananarama with Venus this week? Is it gonna be, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, like, and, and so I, I, I found theater, I guess I found theater like you do, like, oh, who's auditioning for the musical in high school? So I found it that way, the more literal but I, I found the theater that I love by blending the records that my parents would play, Camelot and South Pacific and all these golden age musical theater scores with Whitney Houston, like my hero oh, yeah. growing yeah. up. Yeah. Like, so it's like, I'm trying, always trying to find a blend of those two when I write is that it's theater story songs, but I wanted to follow the pop form because I just love mm -hmm. pop music. So that's, oh. that's kind of it. And also Patti Lapone's recording of Being Alive from the 1991 Oh. Carnegie Hall celebration. Yep. I know the one that I watch that still to this day ad nauseum in her little sensible culotte pantsuit and yes! her shoulder padded sequence right, right? and her like Bay alive and like turning to Paul Gemiani. I'm not ready to cut off. I'm not ready to cut I'm off. I'm not ready and cut off. You know, it's <laughs> the greatest, the greatest. It's so interesting that so many of us have those same these same clips and moments and beats as part of the foundation of our origin stories. What, what are yours? But we didn't find it out until. 20 years later we're like, oh yeah oh, you too yes you too yes what are some of yours like is there is there like a recording i mean jennifer holiday's recording of of and i'm telling you is is the is the one that we watched in college we we're like well yep. this is the greatest over recording yeah. ever yeah uh yeah. mine i have i have two uh, uh melba moore sitting in the big rocking chair the chair playing, yes um, in pearly yes i got love is one um and then the other is mel carter who, because I could then relate that to my babysitter, which was television. I yeah. can relate that to give me a break. So watching Nell Carter sing mean to me yes. and not knowing why I was crying. Oh. I was like, wait, you're you're and mean that... to me. Like, why must you be mean to gee, honey? It seems to me you love to see me crying. And I'm like six, and I'm like, why am I crying? Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm feeling wow. something. Um, so those two things. Uh, wow. It's Melba Moore and it's Nell Carter, and then it's probably learning that Andre De Shields existed. <laughs> yeah, yeah I didn't. Yeah. I had could. I didn't have a picture. I had a picture, but I didn't have like an idea of like who was this person maneuvering through the world. And then to see him in um, Ain't Misbehaving, um, Ain't Misbehaving on videos too was just like what? It, how? It, but I think you're like me, but yeah. I don't know. So yeah. let me just put that somewhere here. Those are my Incredible. origin story videos. Um, How about you, Jim? I mean, so for sure, Jennifer Holiday. Um, mm -hmm. Also a Patti LuPone moment. Um, um, her doing um, that crazy Evita on the Tonys. And like, like going like, what, what is, What's what happening? is happening? Like, what is, what is happening? There was something so like thrilling and crazy and dangerous about it yep. that I like, it's one of those that I would just like, kind of like, 
just be like, what, like, how are you doing that? How are you, how are you generating all of that? That was yeah. absolutely um, kind of fascinating um, to me. Yeah. But that's, but that's one of those, um, I just, uh, during the pandemic, I taught a musical theater class at a college in Jamaica. And um, that was one of the clips that I showed and they were like, what is this? <laughs> They're like, yeah, same, same reaction. Again, yeah. an example of all these years later, your your cast recording your story your everything is going to affect generations that have not even been born yet <laughs> that's that's the power of what we do so we're so lucky it's not yeah. it's not a power i take lightly you know it's pretty pretty spectacular can i can i ask because you've you know you you've been singing then for a long time you've been doing choirs and da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. when when uh, this is something i i've been kind of wanted to ask everybody um when was the moment you realized that you had a voice? When was this moment that you kind of like mm -hmm. went, oh, I do this thing and it's kind of pleasing or people respond in a way that, um, hmm, yeah. there's a there there. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, some, um, there's a day when the switch goes, turns on. Yeah, yeah. But because you maybe oh. see it, you maybe see it, or you like hear it in yourself, and you go, "Oh, there's this thing called a voice that I have." Like, do you all do you all have a moment? I have two that come to mind. One mm. was early. I used to listen to my sister's cassette tapes of the Choir Glee Club and ensemble concerts of like the holiday concert and the spring concert, and there was this girl Beth Pulaski who used to sing. Mm in my easter bonnet with all the thrills upon it i'll be the grandest lady in the easter parade and her voice was so dead center of the pitch and so clear it, i was obsessed with this this girl's voice she was just like a student when i sang gary indiana and i listened back to it and i mean this in the least modest way possible <laughs> i listened to it and i went Oh, I sound a little bit like Beth Pulaski. I'm in the center of that pitch. Mm. And I was able to recognize it a little for myself. That's probably the earliest memory I have where I was like, oh, that's, I think that's pretty good. The other one that come, came to mind and he just passed away was my bio two teacher who was not involved in the arts at all. Mm. And he was, his, he was one of my babysitters growing up. They lived down the street. They're like close family friends. He in bio two class where we're like dissecting frogs or whatever, calls me up to the front while we're all busy and everybody's doing lab. Hey, I just have to talk to you for a second. I'm like, what happened? And I, I know him as Mr. Barnhill who babysat me when I was in kindergarten. So, you know, you have to, you know, that you have the relationship with the teacher or history and you're like, you don't want to act like, you know, each other too much because students are like funny. <laughs> but he said, he said privately up the front of the class without people listening, he said, I hear you're doing really well in the musical. And I was like, what? And that it dawned on me that other people were talking about me without me around. Mm -hmm. And that was a big moment for me where I was like, oh, someone told the bio two teacher or, or he heard it from somebody who heard it from somebody that, that I'm, I'm good or that you I'm doing reviews. Yeah. Before, yeah. Before the <laughs> yeah. show I was in rehearsal. So it was right. just this neat thing that it came back to me that I, and I will be honest, that's something I'm chasing now is trying to figure out less so now when i turned 35 i i had a big come to jesus where i was like do i even like what i'm doing or mm -hmm. do i do it because i have lived a life so far of getting extrinsic approval and validation mm -hmm. 
And do I even like this? And I had a real dark night of the soul of, mm -hmm. I don't know that I do. And if I got to figure out to like it or to let it go. And mm. thankfully I, I, I have, I'm still on that journey now, but being addicted to what you hear other people loving about you is really deceptive. And it is part of it. They're all, they're it's all things. Of it. It's where it you pile it. Can't be all of it. Exactly. It no. can't be front and center all the time or else all I'm doing is chasing. Did you like me? Do you think I'm great? Do you think I'm great? Right, Which I've spent right. a lot of energy doing. Right. Yeah. It's easy. It's easy. And look at where we live and look at where, how we have to go get the job and how we have to go do the job. It it's easy to fall into that and to start measuring things. Yeah. And there's no point in measuring. Really, did, you, literally. did you did you have you're a right. moment like that, James? Where you're like, hmm, I can I can do this thing called singing. I think I had <laughs> I and I this is again something I probably should have spoken about two hours ago in therapy. I think <laughs> I have um, control issues. I my first thing was my mother playing the piano and me sitting next to her turning pages. So I realized like, and she would play with this of like, watch if I speed up the tempo, this happens. Watch if I slow this down, this happens. And I would see people in the room, their emotions would wow. change. So, oh, I can stop this person from, oh, someone's rambling on too long at the funeral. Let me actually start the music. And then the person stops talking. And mm. I remember realizing at a very Power. young age, oh, my mother did that. First of all, I thought she was a magician and could do anything, but she started playing a thing and then we needed that person to shut up. And my mother got that to happen. Or I remember my mother, my father was a Mason, my mother was in the Eastern Star. So there was a lot of like playing of things with old people marching. And my mother was in charge of doing that. And I remember watching her play and have to adjust tempos and it affected how fast or slow people marched into the room. Oh, wow. So I got addicted to that. I My third grade play was the first time I was on stage. No, that kindergarten was one. But I realized that what I said or did or sang, there was just a response, not applause. I fell off the stage in my third grade play. I was supposed to have a death scene. I was playing a cat that went and sat up on a roof to read a love letter. And he his heart is broken. And he's supposed to die on the stage. And I rolled off the little fake roof onto the stage, but I kept rolling and fell into the audience. Nice. And people did all of the things. They gasped. They laughed. Then the show went on. And I was like, oh, I did that. And it, yeah. it became a disease, a drug, yeah. a problem. Yeah. And then I learned how to balance it out. I still have control issues, but I still I learned how to balance a lot of that out. That was the, the well. That's all, that's also what's going to make you a great comedian, a great performer. Understanding that energy and that relationship. Yeah. But you were getting. But I it still at, do it. I love listening age. to an audience and figuring out. Like, I'm very big on. Oh, they need this right now. Mm. Oh, the, oh, we, someone in the orchestra needs to cry okay please hold but i i love that thing i want to hear the ice clinking in your glass i want to hear i want to smell the french fries i want to like all of the things wow. i like listening to an audience still so very much <laughs> i love it i love it <laughs> oh my god well well i'll i'll share um please I, do. Please. I, what was yours i so i kind of always suspected that there was this thing that I could do called singing, but I hit it because um, the thing that I had wanted to do when I was very, very young was dance. And like, that was not really. Allowed. I wanted to dance so badly. Where did you grow and, um, up? I grew up in Kingston, Jamaica. 
and mm-hmm. I had a I have I have a very macho manly father, and I remember once like stepping into a dance class and my mom coming and going, no 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 no, can't do that, nope, can't nope, do nope. that, and um and so um. I remember there was this moment where I was like, I think, I think I can. And I had one of these little flatbed tape recorders and I would like whisper sing. And I was like, <laughs> there's something interesting about that. And finally, um, this musical, junior musical theater company was auditioning and I begged and begged and begged and begged. And finally my dad relented. And the only thing that I knew that we had, we had the Barbara Streisand Broadway album. As well, and you so, should. And so you're not a monster, so, yeah, right. And <laughs> One so month. I, I learned um, uh, uh, something's coming, and I oh. took the record out of the jacket and I brought the jacket and used that as my lyric sheets in this this oh audition. Oh my gosh! And um, and I remember it was um, it was cloudy. It was getting set up to rain. And um, I started to sing, and now m- m- one of my best friends, Jody Holong, was in the was in the room, and, like all the kids were there. And I started to sing, and she went, <gasps> and wow. I was like, "Oh, what is that?" And then, and then at the end, I finished singing, and thunder rolled. <laughs> oh, wow. that was it. That was it. <laughs> it was divine. That was it. I was like, yes, that. More please. Wow. And I was like, I think I can sing. Oh wow. <laughs> look at look what God can do. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I have a question about museum stuff because so I did the same thing. I was here for 15, 20 years already. No, this problem. This happened about 12 years in. I had a therapist on the Upper East Side. I live in New Jersey and I chose this therapist because I was like, oh, it's a field trip for me. So, huh. and it was like Tuesday mornings at like 10 a.m. Like I would have to physically go to the therapist on like 90th and Lex somewhere. That's a journey, and, James. Right. That is, that is not sure. Oh. But it became part of the therapy for me. Mm-hmm. And I would also, I'd take the train up there from the PATH train to the six and go all the way up there. And, but walking back, I would walk through Central Park or I would walk down Fifth Avenue sometimes. And I found these things that they have in New York called museums. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, maybe this is the time. So I would sometimes walk all the way back through Central Park, but sometimes I would stop. And the one that I always stopped at was the Guggenheim. And I didn't know anything about it. I was like, oh, it's just a round building. I like that. Mm -hmm. So I would just go up to the top and walk my way down. And that was part of my journey back home after therapy. And I loved it. And it was was part of the therapy for me. It was not just the, excuse me, the 50-minute session. It was part of the the hour-long journey to get there and part of sometimes the two-hour journey back to Jersey. It was all part of a a thing. It was a meditation for me. It was very spiritual. And I wonder, like, what did you learn? Because I didn't know anything about what was I didn't either. I didn't know. Like, I was like, oh, that's what they do with like paintings. And okay, this is is an installation of something. All right. Mm -hmm. Um, And you chose the Met, like the museum. Yeah, the museum. Um, Yeah, for sure. What what did you learn about like how art is consumed? Well, like, you know what my, I had like a few like Roman numeral takeaways and, mm-hmm. and that are sort of in the show. The, the, there's a theme 
that I sing at the beginning and I kind of sing a little throughout. It's called, where am I? It just goes, where am I in this place? Who am I meant to be in this world, in this space? Can I find me? And mm. I, 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 I wrote that super simple, but it's this, I was sort of thinking about why do, if the three of us went to the Met together, why do I look at a painting and go, oh, and you go, mm. Meh, and you go, ugh. Right. And I, I think my, my, I also think there's something really great about people who don't know anything about something. Their mm -hmm. observations sometimes I think are the purest because there's no, there's no education that tells you how to feel. There's no learn it. I didn't take an art appreciation course. So I'm not, I'm told how to behave around art. There's, and there's a lot of behavior in museums. Yes. Just the people who rock up like you and I do, I think there's a lot of freedom in that. So mm -hmm. I sort of examine like, what am I, what are people reacting to? And my thing was, I think we're reacting to ourselves. I think they're all little mirrors. And when we see some part of ourselves, we go, huh, oh, I love it. But right. whether, I don't think it's like, I love it because I know that the the neoclassicism of the brushstroke, blah, 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 you know, all that stuff I don't know. Yeah. I just, I'm going on gut here. And I think like you being in that buzz of therapy, being opened up, being like mm -hmm. your soul, your mind, everything is sort of open for business. And then you're taking, you're doing a meditation of a walk. And then you're going into a house of creativity. Creativity oh. is, mm -hmm. is, is a creativity is just openness and meditation vulnerably displayed and I, I i also love the other roman numeral thing was there's a lyric in the opening number i wrote the bridge goes um this is the part i see legends of artistry all reaching through to now crossing the spans of time and with these hands now i'm supposed to add somehow i want to mm -hmm. add somehow mm -hmm. and the thing the thing is like the inadequacy i feel in front of these masterpieces and then I thought about who were they? They're sitting in a room with a pen and a paper. They're sitting in a room with a, a quill and a, and a scroll. They're sitting in a room with a brush and a ca blank canvas. George Surratt, Sunday, we've seen it in our, in our world. And they're like, oh, no, I want to make something, but I don't know how. And I don't know what I'm doing. They were there. Cezanne, the, one of the curators told me, Cezanne was writing so, painting so quickly, he wouldn't even sign them. He would paint it and he'd throw the thing on the ground and start another one because he would go to Italy and do all these landscapes or whatever. And I thought, wow, he didn't even take time to sign some of them. And, and then there are other people who pine over, like Ugolino and his sons is, a, is Carpo did this sculpture that is the most beautiful thing in the Met. It's this, this you gotta see it, this man who's his sons and grandsons are all grabbing onto him and he's chained to a plinth. He's been locked in a tower and he's has being told to choose between cannibalism or, 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 or starvation. And it's this unbelievable marble statue where you can see the depressions of their fingers in this. And it looks wow. so real. It looks like it's going to come alive. And he chiseled that thing for years, like worked on it for years. I just, for me, the long, the short answer of this is a long answer is that I just felt, I feel still humbled and allowed. I just am like, you can have mm. any, you're allowed to have any reaction you want. There's no wrong reaction. And if walk on through mm -hmm. does anything, it's to impress upon the people that watch is like, whatever you're feeling right now is valid. Mm. And oh. you don't have to have any react. You don't have to like what I'm making, or you can be moved 
the way that Jam is so beautifully. I'm so grateful for that. But the truth is, you got to make it. If you want to be a creator and artist, you got to sit down and try to make it. <gasps> you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's hard. It's hard what we do. Yeah. It's hard. It's scary. I know. I know. Yeah. I love, you know, I guess it's, it's scary. It's a, it's a fear. It's thing. vulnerable. It's just vulnerable. It. Yeah. And it's the most basic thing in the world. Kids do it, children do it. Children, child sees a child in the sandbox and is like, I'm gonna just has no problem. I'm gonna go sit next to this You're other right. idiot in this box of dirt. <laughs> this and, other idiot. <laughs> and we're just gonna let's make a something. <laughs> and then you're gonna call the parents over and be like, Look, me and this idiot made some <laughs> made some stuff out of this dirt. And then the parents gush over it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And then God says, like, I'm gonna make it rain, and they destroy the thing <laughs> that the two idiots made out of dirt. Yeah, and now, God and God says, "Now make it again. Now make find it again. it again." Right? Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I love about that's what I love about eight shows a week. You can't hide. You can't hide behind it. You got to go out there and make it again. You can get high as you can off that audience, off what you feel, mm -hmm. the magic. That Tuesday it, audience, honey. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, don't you're give right. them too much. Don't give them too much because you gotta you gotta give seven times more. Yeah, and yeah. I'll see you and again. You have to do it again. Yeah, you have to do it again. You have to yeah. do it again. You have to make it fresh once again for this new audience because it's a new experience for them. I can't rest on my laurels. I have to to do it as if it is the first time because it is the first time for you. And I oh, have to yeah. live it and make it as full because it is probably the first time that you're seeing it. And um and there is something about that service and about um uh, making people feel something that is so exciting to me about it. I mean, you know, the it show we, there were t days when I'm like fuck this, but then somehow you would like see it in someone and you go, mm, "Oh, mm. that this is why I'm doing this. It's it's for your. It's for you. It's for you. It's yeah. not about me, and it's not about that I'm tired. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're you're having an experience, and that's why I'm here. That's the that's the gig. That's the job. Mm. Yeah, and um and there's something about that that I that I love. Yeah, yeah. It's a dream. Oof. Um. Okay. So I want I I want to to go back to your songwriting because. Oh. The thing, the thing that I was like, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, so Gavin Creel's written some song. It didn't sound <laughs> like a Jason Robert Brown. It didn't sound oh. like a Stephen Sondheim. It sounded so specifically you, oh. so specifically unique, and and they were complicated and tuneful and airworms. And I was like, <laughs> where did that like? have you always written songs? Where did songwriting come from for you? And how, like, hmm. how, what is that process? Because that, what it felt like to me was like you have been co-creating a songwriting career along with the acting career that I didn't know about. But yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. like, maybe you've been doing it, but I, I did not know. I did I'm not so know. And I thought the songs were like, this Gavin Creel song is a bop. Like, what, like, what is <laughs> oh, happening? Oh, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. I need a manager, so can you just... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> At least a press rep. I mean, God. Right, right. I, have, I wrote my first song when I was 20. I'm 46. I'll be 47 in April. So I have been writing for a while. Um, I met my first real, very influential, and still we write together. We, have, we haven't written in a while, but 
my first collaborator, Robbie, no, my first collaborator was this amazing jazz pianist and Taylor Swift's musical director named David Cook. He's incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, and we started writing together and then I met my, probably my most influential uh, long longest partnership, Robbie Roth, who we made two little independent records together with. Um, and then I, my other collaborator is Ben Cullum. You know Jamie Cullum, the yeah. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, the jazz. His brother is an incredible producer and songwriter, and we did a, yeah. a third little independent record together. Um, but then I, I, I had only really, really done besides the very beginning when I wrote a few songs on my own. I really did collaboration, and it was it's hard because you have to like, you have to balance your egos, you have to balance your your contributions and talents and everything. But I learned a lot about songwriting and form and everything from from dave and robbie robbie especially because we were together for have been writing together for a really long time and ben too um but then i wanted to branch off and see if i could do it all on my own again and that's what these are so um and i and, and i will say this show some what i was originally going to do with walk on through when i started i i decided to just stay say to them i want to make a piece about a bunch of the art in the museum and I want each song to be a different painting. And that terrified me because I thought, Oh, Gavin, mm. you are signing up for something very hard. Mm. But I, I gave myself the promise that I had a pile of songs that I'd never done anything with. And I said, I'm going to do 50% external in and 50% internal out so that I will take, if I find a piece of art that I'm like, I walked into Thomas Hart Benton's, this a, a room, it's a mural, 360 mural with okay. a red ceiling. It's called America Today, and it's the development of America through the 30s. And I walked in, I was like, oh, this is the journey. This is my, I wrote a song about my first three years in New York City. And I was like, this is the energy of that song. So I was going to take a pre-existing song and assign a painting to it for, for half the songs. And then I was going to oh. task myself to go, okay, what did you respond to? This is a picture of Salvatore Mundi, this picture of Christ you're going to write a song called Unfinished World and this is what it's going to be about. And I, I did 80% of the material now is all new, but mm. there are some stuff that I'm like scattered. There's a song called scattered that I sing with Jackson Pollock, like the vision of Jackson Pollock. Mm. And that I always imagined the song being like a Jackson Pollock painting, but never wrote it about Jackson Pollock. And then once I knew I wanted, I found a Pollock and I was like, this is scattered. I rewrote the back half and brought Pollock's voice into it. And he sort of talked to me about creating. So it, it's been, it's been a, it continues to be a journey. And Sarah Bareilles is one of my best friends in the world. And she's an Yay. amazing writer. And she says, I say to her, do you ever feel like the last song you wrote? Oh, that was it. I ain't got any more. That's it. I'm dry. <laughs> he goes, Same yeah. She said, come sit next to me. That's how I feel about it. And, and, that, and because she says that to me, her vulnerability, admitting that it empowers me to go, I'm okay. I'm safe. And that's go what, on. Yeah. And, and I know she's going to write a million songs more and I will too, but it's a, it's a dance. And, and, and it also is my biggest salvation as an actor because I have a place to go that is creative that nobody controls, but me. Mm. And this business we do is so run by so many other opinions. Other yes. And, and you can go from being on Broadway in the best musical of the year to being okay now i'm unemployed and <laughs> now and now and now i'm unemployed and now i have to wait for somebody to say yes to me yeah when right. i when i have all of this that i have inside of me to give and to share and it's i just got to terrifying. shine on it's it's hard and yet 
you must because what i saw and witnessed of your whole cast but you too since i'm talking to you right now you have to give me more of that and you also have to find people now that are like i saw you in strange loop i've got some songs would you ever want to come and sing yes or do you write do you write poetry do you write songs do you write scripts scores pilots I am utterly terrified of songwriting. And it's... I played the piano for years and years before I sang. I still do not enjoy singing nearly as much as I enjoy playing this piano that is now hidden behind me, behind underneath all of my former <laughs> dressing room stuff. I am utterly terrified of sitting at the piano and playing something, even playing a song that someone else wrote. I'm utterly terrified of, I have a degree in music not in theater anything that i am supposed to teach people how to play that thing where what, what, I, can you tell me why like like if you had to like for I all of us why probably, is there you know this is probably a few sessions away from therapy <laughs> <laughs> like in a few weeks we'll get to this one but i think that it is it's the most vulnerable and if there are mistakes in it if my thumb hits the wrong something i really fucked up mm. It's and it's there's control in that that I'm not letting go of. There's there's it's there's, the most vulnerable. There's also the great the greatest devil of oppression in the world. Mm-hmm. Perfectionism. Oh, perfectionism right. is the poison. I want it to be something that doesn't exist, which is perfect. Yeah. Yes, and and of course you do because you've been bathing in these poisonous waters since you came into uh. this world. But I will say and I wrote about this this morning in my pages. I'm allowed to write crappy songs. I'm allowed to, because the, the, the truth, I'm allowed to not be, I'm allowed to just, Sarah told me this, don't let perfect be the enemy of the good. Yeah. Like you don't have to make mm. something better than anybody else. That's just, that's suppression. That's that thing that, and it it's poisonous to all of us. And it's yeah, so, really, yeah. it's so unfair because you're, there's an amazing quote that you need to read by Martha Graham to Agnes DeMille. Do you know this? Yes. I do know yes. that it's wonderful. I live by it. it I live by it. The the letter, uh, yes, it's it's oh my God. She says, she says, it's not your job to determine how good it is nor how it compares to other people's expressions. It is only your job to keep it unique and yours. Keep the channel open. No artist is ever pleased. There is no satisfaction, whatever. There is only a queer divine dissatisfaction, a blessed unrest (laughs) that makes us alive and makes us, keeps us marching and makes us more alive than the others. And Sarah's record that she got nominated for five Grammys for is called the blessed unrest because she knew that. And we bonded over this. Mm. I, I can't tell you, James, and both of you get that put it on your wall and read her words every day because it's literally permission to not, you don't even, it, one of the things you don't even have to believe in yourself or your work. Mm. You just have to stay open. Like you don't, how it compares to others. And it's, and it takes courage and vulnerability to believe what she's saying, because it's really easy to go, well, yeah, it's all well and good for Martha Graham because she's Martha Graham. Right. (laughs) So are you, bitch? You're Martha Graham and you're Martha Graham and I'm Martha Graham. (laughs) Right. My God. I want you on that piano. Get those dressing room dregs off that piano and get your fingers. I want that thumb. I want that thumb hitting all the wrong notes. All of the wrong notes. Yes. Okay. And you I should will. you should set a goal, Duke Ellington. I don't need inspiration. Hmm. I need a deadline. Give yourself That's a goal. True. Give yourself a goal. 
I'd say six friends and eight bottles of wine or three friends and eight bottles of wine. <laughs> but then but, do, do math. And yeah, yeah, invite them over, pop the wine, and then say, I'm going to do a salon for three of my closest friends or three people that I know will just lift me and thumb it out. Just bunk, bunk, bunk. And that's the place to start. Okay. Be bad. Start with bad. Love it. Oh, I, I absolutely love, love that. You got to do it. Start with bad. Start with bad. Yeah. I you're robbing, you're robbing me of your, of your brilliance. It's, it's actually rude. <laughs> What you're doing I'm is actually being rude. I'm actually being rude. I'm going you to are. fix that. And I apologize from the, the bottom of my, my heart-related area. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, um, Jam, should we play a game? Oh, Let's wait. Do, do we want to do, we wanna do... Well, we had one more question. But this... I mean, it's been such a delicious conversation. If you ask, mean, me the one, ask me the one question, I will give you a soundbite answer. So it will take well, literally I don't know 30 if we, seconds. If we can, but like, you okay. know, well, I think so. walk on through, there, there, there's several religious images. Oh, yes. Um, and it seemed like you weren't always ready to deal with them. And we just closed a show that dealt with all of that, all of that. too. <laughs> yeah. The gay yes, boy like, religion spirituality story theme. Is there a story there about religion and sexuality? Or is, is How it the are next you show? all with all of that today? Yeah. I'm going to, my, my next project that I just started picking away at is going to be a queer story. I want every, every story I'm writing is going to be queer because there's not enough stories about us. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I think I will always grapple with religion because it was, it was the first, it was the first main line that was a staple of my family. It was mm -hmm. still is in my parents very much. I think it pains them that I don't mm -hmm. have a relationship with the church anymore, but, it's it's my piece and what I found for myself. But um, I think it will always be present in all of my writing. I'm writing a song right now. I've been writing it for a long time, but I'm going to finish it. Called Prayers, Presence, Gifts, and Service, which are the four things you have to swear to as Methodist in confirmation. You, you have to give prayers. You have to give your presence, like being there, right. your gifts, uh, tithing and all that, and your service. And it's sort of a tongue-in-cheek song about like, um, it's got, it's like God or the church saying prayers, presents, gifts, and service. You give it and I'll give you my love. It's all about like, mm -hmm. you got to give me these four things and you'll get, and I said, that ain't it. Like, like it's not conditional. God's love is yeah. unconditional, which I believe. So it's, it's a complicated thing, but walk on through sort of scratches the surface and touches on it. Also, there's a song about sexual shame that I lean into called Hands on You, which is about all the statues that I want to fuck in the museum. The butts. Oh my God, it's so much fun. <laughs> but it's like it's like a it's like a real come to Jesus that like you don't I have shame in me because of you. And I know it's not because of you. It's right, because right, of right. man uh dis, you know, misinterpreting. Right. I think I, I personally think, and I'll probably get struck by lightning but i think jesus was gay i think he hung out with a bunch of disciples who were men i think he was a hippie i think he socialized with all of the people that people that christianity now tells everyone that they shouldn't socialize with or they've got to convert and make them believe i'm just like bless you on your journey but i think you are not seeing who christ was really about and and i that that's 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 my his, his best Judy was a hoe. Come on. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Oh it's on. so true. Yeah. I'm so, that makes me very happy. I don't mean it now. in a disrespectful sense. No, but, no, no. But I mean it in a way that like, 
I want to think deeper and longer about they were human beings. And if Jesus yeah. was the son of God, which I think we all have within us, I think let's say it was real. And he was the son of God that lived the most full to his potential that he lived with grace and love from the second he was born till his 33rd birthday when we killed him. I, I, I think he just was able to live God's love so fully, which we all have the potential to do mm -hmm. that he was able to turn fish into fishes and loaves yeah, of bread. And, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I love all those yeah. stories when actually he was probably just really wonderful to everybody he met. And therefore, a good person. and people thought he's magic. He was magic because he does what you do on stage for me when I'm sitting watching you, you give, you're vulnerable, you're open, you're listening. And I just, I don't know. It's hippy dippy doodle stuff, but I believe it. It's I wonderful. Like hippy hippy dippy dippy doodle. Doodle stuff. <laughs> okay. All what's right. our game? Gavin Creel. Now, yes. Gavin there, are two, there are two games. Creel. One of them, of course, is better than the other. Okay. Um, <laughs> Jam's game will be the first one um, that Jam stands behind. Um, okay. Just Jam, rude. would you like to explain your See, your when I talk about filter, my thing, my, <laughs> my thing. Um, Gavin Creel, it's now time to play the most wonderful, delicious, glorious game in the world. And it's mm. called Stinky Mouth, Sloppy Mouth. And here's <laughs> how Stinky Mouth, Sloppy Mouth works. Okay. Gavin Creel, you have to enact a passionate romantic kiss upon the stage okay um your co-star is perfectly wonderful glorious yes but a they have enjoyed maybe a salmon burger or two <laughs> or b their mouth is perfectly fresh but they just have a lot of excessive saliva rendering them a sloppy mouth. So Gavin Creel, are you choosing to kiss the stinky mouth or the sloppy mouth? Without any hesitation, and I'm telling on myself a little bit, sloppy, 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 all day long sloppy. <laughs> Because I actually am into it. I dig. I dig it. <laughs> Give it to me. All of it. <laughs> Give me the slap. What? Yeah. what? Give it. Give it. Give yeah. me the slap. Okay. Yeah. So no stinky am... mouth for you. And we'll have a salmon yeah. burger afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is the, that's the way to do it. Um, not that I'm participating, but I'm just saying that that is technically a way to do it. We'll have the yes. salmon burger after. Yes. I'm glad that that portion of the thing is over. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The the second game is this. It's it is in the title. It's called Pick a Pair of Patties. Um, okay. I'm going to give you a scenario, and okay. your job, just the as the title dictates, is to pick a pair of patties. Um, the scenario is a bank heist. Um, so you are you have been hired. You need to hire. You need to rob a bank. You need to okay. hire someone to be the heavy, do the, give me all your money. And then you need to hire someone to drive the getaway car. Okay. Your patties from which to choose uh, your pair are Patty Lapone, oh. Patty Mirren, and America's sweetheart, Patty LaBelle. Oh, okay. One is, I know, who, is that, do I have to pick from those three? You yep. must pick from those three patties, a pair of patties, one to be the heavy, and one to drive the getaway car. 
Patty Murin, Patty LaBelle, and Patty Lapone. I mean, Patty Lapone is absolutely the heavy. She has got that gun. No one's gonna not do what she says. I agree. I agree. Firm. And um it's gotta be I love Patty Murin with all my heart, mm -hmm. but Patty LaBelle is gonna drive that car faster than anybody. She's she's there's nobody nobody can do that better. Nobody. And she can she's gonna wail to me the whole way out. She's gonna be like, ah! <laughs> I do think I do think the playlist would be would be excellent. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Can I just say something, James? Because of the connection, I thought you said I was ready and I was laughing because I thought you said pick a pair of panties. Nice. <laughs> and I was like, wow, we are going from sloppiness to sloppiness. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> To that, to that, I would say I'll take Patty Murin's panties. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to let her know that. I'm definitely oh going to let her know that. I will. Let her um, know that. We're clipping this out. This is going on social media tomorrow. Gavin Creel, we thank you. Thank you for, for having this. me. Yes. Such a blast. Um, the, we're just we're honored that you would you would do this. I, I, tru truly, it was it was the easiest thing to say yes to because I just have such respect and love for both of your talents, and it's so nice to get to know you more in this setting. And I hope we yeah. can hang out and go have food and salmon burgers. And I would love that. <laughs> I would absolutely love that. That'd be a blast. Um, I, I I'm just wondering, um, is there any uh upcoming stuff that you need to promote you're you're going on the into the woods tour is there yep. any other and like what what are the march 13th you... march 13th wow. uh, i just found this out we're going to do a a, a a one night concert at the terrace theater um and in washington dc at the kennedy center oh. i'm going to do a little a little walk on through mini uh sharing oh, with just guitar awesome. and guitar and piano so if people are in the dc area on the 13th of march come oh. on down to the terrace theater Fabulous! That's fantastic. Yeah. And then, yeah. and and you started. Have you started rehearsals and all that for the tour? Start, the the new people that are, we have a few great new people that are joining us. They'll start on the twenty sixth, and then we start tomorrow, and then we start on the third. And then our first stop is in Washington D.C. We'll be there at the Kennedy Center for a month, so it's going to be a blast. All right, oh, amazing. Um, James, can you set up one wish for? Yes. Yeah, so we always end our show with one wish, which is just something we like to send people off into the world for the mm, week. I love it. Um, and we choose one wish uh, for really a multitude of reasons, but mainly for this one. We choose one wish because genies give you three wishes and I don't like genies. Um, <laughs> so we give people one. Uh, Good. Jam, do you have one wish for the people this week? Yeah, um, and it, it comes from, um, you know, this conversation today. So my one wish for, for um, people, uh, I, and I probably will word it incorrectly, um, <laughs> but make a bad song. Yeah. Make a bad play. Make a bad one of whatever the thing is that you want to create in this world. Make a bad one. Um, give yourself permission to make a bad one. Um, I love that. So, um, thank you for that, Gavin Creel. And, thank I, you. and I wish that for, I wish that for everyone make, make a bad one of the thing that you want to make. I love that. I love that. Mine is going to be, um, to use more thumb. Yes. 
Just use more thumb. You have two of them. Use them. Some people don't. Um, some people don't. Some people are just really going through just... life over here. Just like trying it out. I say use more thumb. I'm going to, as soon as we get off of this, I'm going to go over here. You got here, to. You got and to. And I'm going to use my thumbs. Good. Uh, and see what that feels like. So just, I want, I wish that for everyone to use, use more thumb this week. Uh, what about you, Gavin Creel? Do you have a, a wish for the folks? Yes, it's easy. Um, meet meet more wonderful people like you two. Have have let yourself meet new people. If you respond like I did to people the way I did to the two of you, reach out and tell them because it means the world. It's it's that it's what was the girl's name that that went oh. Jim. Jody oh, Holong. Jody yeah. So this is for the Jody Holongs. Heather Mazur was the first person who ever listened to me play a song. Your mother next to you teaching yeah. you the power of that piano. Yeah. Like when you may you may you meet people as cool as you two and then reach out to them and just say thank you. Yeah. Mm. Thank you so much for this. This has been a yeah. blast. Thank you. Oh, it was great. Jody was my guest for opening night for my Broadway debut. No way. Yeah. That's she amazing. Flew from Jamaica. It was awesome. It was awesome. Oh, I love she was, it. She was quite wonderful. I love um, it. Gavin Creel, your magnificent and scintillating and glorious, delicious and tremendous. It has been. And we thank you. An thank you. honor. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye.